Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome in to another episode of Inside Black and Gold. I am your host, Jeff Nowak. Coming at you solo today, as we'll do for a lot of these midweek episodes, this is going to be a more streamlined edition in this first episode segment i wanted to get you the latest on chris alave what's been going on with him who's obviously arrested on monday so where do we stand with all that we'll break it all down that'll be the first segment i don't want to muddle that up with other news or whatever we're just going to talk about that we're going to get into what was said today what's the deal with chris and then we're going to move on second segment going to break down the initial injury report there are a lot of names on it but a lot of good signs as opposed to oh no how are the saints possibly going to survive a 12-man Injury report. So we'll get into that. And then the final segment, we're going to get into a mailbag. And I have a few comments from Derek Carr that I want to play for y'all. I got to talk to him today about, you know, basically where he thinks he's at. What does he think his play has been like for the first seven games? 
And so we'll talk about that. And then obviously all of your questions. Uh, it's just going to be me and possibly the dog because just typically when I would walk the dog and she is not thrilled that I'm sitting here talking to myself in the computer rather than doing that. So if there are any disruptions, you can blame the time of the day and Bailey the dog. Anyway, let's just get ahead of it. So Chris Olave was arrested Monday evening and booked for alleged reckless driving in Kenner. That's where he lives. Apparently, he was headed home from CVS. That's what his brother tweeted that and he was going too fast. He was going 70 in a 35. There's a body cam video for some reason that had to be released. It was posted on YouTube. That's a whole nother story. Kenner police for the first time in department history decided to put body cam footage on YouTube, which feels a little, I don't know. <laughs> it feels weird. Um, I get it. They're probably harangued with tons of requests for that footage. There are better ways to disseminate body cam footage and posting it on YouTube, but I digress. That's really not what we're talking about. They said he, they got him going 80. He was weaving in and out of traffic. That's reckless driving. In Louisiana, you will get arrested for that, and that's what happened. He was put in the back of a police car, taken to, to police headquarters, booked. He was out later that night. You know, I don't expect anything more to come of this than Chris Olave is going to pay a big fine and probably pay some pretty incredible insurance rates uh, for the next however long. I don't know. I've gotten speeding tickets and my insurance rates doubled. I'm sure he's going to see, you know, some pretty, some pretty painful consequences from that. Although for, for a millionaire NFL wide receiver probably isn't the, isn't as impactful as, as it might be for, for someone else. But obviously Chris Olave knows that that's not great. His coaches have sat him down and talked to him. And so this is what Dennis Allen had to say about that situation uh, when he was asked today. Yeah, look, I mean, um, you know, he he was he was arrested for, you know, speeding and and uh, call it reckless driving. Um, I think that's something that you know we've had a chance to sit down and visit with him. You know, he obviously understands that he made a mistake and he's just got to he's got to slow down. Um, you know, but uh, uh, that's really what it that's really what it was. So uh, we're not going to make any more of it than that. Other than look for his sake and for everybody's sake. You know, we want him to be safe and, and keep himself and others safe. And so, you know, he's just got to slow down. You know, and, and irony aside, because the the fact that this happened this week, right, this year with the car puns and the fact that all we've talked about is how Chris Olave needs to go full speed on his routes. And now we are talking about Chris Olave going too fast on his route home. I promise that's the only one I'm going to give you because it's not a joke. It is serious, obviously, um, you know, it's, it's stupid thing to do. And Chris is going to pay the consequences of that. But like DA said, and I agree with him, I don't think we need to make this out to be anything more than it is, which is, you know, a traffic infraction. That's gonna, that's gonna be a pain for Chris to deal with on his own time. As far as the NFL is concerned, I don't expect you're going to see any penalties in terms of a suspension or anything like that. There's really no track record for players being suspended for this type of thing. Obviously, Motor vehicle incidents can run afoul of the personal conduct policy, but not typically when you're talking about a guy speeding. Uh, and 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 at the end of the day, while this is an extreme version of that, that's what this is. Vikings receiver Jordan Addison actually had a worse speeding incident. He was going in the triple digits, I want to say, maybe in the, like 126 range. And he said that he was having an emergency with his dog, trying to get him to the vet, whatever. I don't know exactly what the circumstances were there, but he didn't face a suspension or anything like that. 
And if so, if you're not looking at a suspension in that incident, you will almost certainly not be looking at a suspension in this incident. But I think it does kind of speak to a wider kind of pattern of, shall we say, I don't know, erratic behavior in terms of play on the field, in terms of just, you know, getting getting yelled at by his quarterback, all this. It just like this is such a weird year for a guy who starred as a rookie. You felt like he had a clear path to superstardom in front of him. And right now we haven't seen it. That said, you're talking about a guy who leads the team in catches. He has, I want to say, 39 catches for 471 yards. If you look at the pace of that, he is on a virtually identical pace to what he did as a rookie. And while, so you could, I've had multiple people say, well, why isn't he producing like he did last year? The fact is he is producing like he did last year. The difference is the expectations are a lot higher and you would have liked to see more than you've seen thus far, but he's on pace for over a thousand yards. He's on pace for 80 some odd catches, which is what effectively what he had last year was 72 catches for a thousand some odd yards in 15 games played. If he plays 17 games, he will easily outstrip what he had last year. But again, expectations. So you wanted to see more out of him. And the biggest question you're going to ask is, okay, are he and his quarterback on the same page? Like, is that situation going the way you need it to go right now? It's tough to say. I, you need to see them get back on the field and, and look like a unit before you can say high or low. But we did ask Derek Carr about that today, and, and here's what he had to say. How was uh, Chris Olave's demeanor at practice today? Oh, Chris was great. Uh, I mean, me and Chris, we talk, we, we talk almost every day. And uh, I know he's, you know, he's been battling some things, and he's gone through some stuff. Um, but just as a brother, as a teammate, as a friend, uh, just being there, being there for him. I mean, we FaceTimed for like 20 minutes the other day, you know, like we we're, you know, getting on the same page. Uh, you know, early in this thing, we knew that there'd be bumps. We just didn't think we'd only have this many wins at this point. But we knew there'd be a couple bumps in the road. And, uh, you know, we we're just talking through those things on how to be problem solvers, you know, because one thing I said after the game is I'm too emotional right now. You know, I've wanted it so bad to be perfect from the beginning. And, you know, I'm in year 10. I'm not in year, you know, two. You know, I, you know, I, I have a just this expectation of how it should feel, but I've had to calm myself and just be a better communicator. And uh, you know, and I explain that, you know, my where I've been wrong and some of my expressions um, and things like that. Uh, you know, uh, maybe there's a different way to go about you know certain things. And 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 honestly, you know, there's been times where he may have caught the brunt of something that wasn't even hit about him. You know, and the same same to me. I've been yelled at by you know, players and coaches in my career and things like that. And then you talk about it. It's, football is a violent, you know, tough, tough sport. Sometimes there's emotions and things are going to happen. But with one thing Rich Basaccio always told me, he said, you can have that moment, just make sure you always circle back. And I thought that, you know, the conversations Chris and I had have been just so productive and uh, it's been so good um, that I think he's in a good place. Uh, I like where he's at. His mentality today was awesome. Uh, made some great plays, uh, but, so I'm excited for what he yeah, does. Does the conversations basically. extend out from you know just not only the communications up, but stuff that's happened recently with Chris? Did any of those conversations you have to talk to him about? Oh, you yeah. know, basically what he went through and, and what kind of words of I guess advice or did you lend any just any support to him for for what he's been going through? You know, yesterday or a couple of days ago with the arrest. Yeah, anytime I've ever you know had a teammate um, go through anything, whether it's really big, really small, you know. 
you never know what someone's going through. So you know, it may be small to us or it may be big to us. You never know. So yeah, just I'm always there to support and uh, send them a text. You know, we FaceTimed, like I said, and uh, you know we're we're in a great place. He's in a good place, and so. Uh, hopefully, you know, we respect that and just, you know, let him have that space. And he's in a good spot. And uh, I'm excited to, you know, see what he does these last, you know, 10, 10 or so games. Like, I, I can't wait to see what we can do and, you know, keep ramping up. And we're getting better. You know, you hope – I've said this too many times. You hope to get better after a win. Um, but we've had to get better after some losses. And uh, we've definitely gotten better and worked on that. But, yeah, I definitely have talked to him. And super positive. Yeah, and one thing you can say for Derek Carr is, you know – he does understand how to help teammates navigate difficult situations. Let's leave it at that. I mean, if you want to go look up the story behind Henry Ruggs and, and, and everything that went on with him, you know, it, it, it is when you're the quarterback, it is part of your job to manage this help, help to manage the state of mind of the people around you. And so when he says things like that, I actually, I do believe him. I think that that is something that, he has experience with and understands how to manage. That said, again, this has been a very uneven year for Chris Olave. And but yeah, so Derek Carr, you know, I do think that he is being genuine there when he when he says that yes, I care about my teammates, I check in on them, I make sure that they are in a good place. And I don't think that this is going to be something that lingers as it pertains to Chris Olave. I think that his play on the field and then this situation are completely disconnected. That said, he does have to make better choices. And one of the reasons you're looking at that is, you know, he was also ticketed for speeding in August going, I want to say it was 54 and a 35 in the same area. So when you're trying to figure out, Oh, why did the cops arrest him? You know, when you already have a speeding ticket going pretty significantly over the speed limit and you're in that situation, I think that definitely plays into it when they run your plate and they see that, but either way, you know, you gotta be better. And I think in two weeks we won't be talking about this. It's a weird situation, but I don't think it's one that will linger. Although I don't think the jokes are going to end. I think you're going to continue to, to hear car puns and full speed puns and all of that. Either way, that's pretty much it. I don't think we have to get any deeper into it than that. Derek Carr and Chris Olave, they're all on the same page. Chris was, at practice on Wednesday, he was a full participant. This isn't something that's going to cut into his preparation time. Wouldn't be surprised if he has a court date coming up, but that's something that he can manage on his own time. Saints are going to move forward. Chris Olave is going to move forward. And we don't have to talk about it any more than that. That's going to be the end of this segment on Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone, who is here watching. We're going to have a mailbag in the final segment. Again, I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, Please do that. If you haven't left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, please do that as well. And as as Chris Lave puts it, damn crazy world we live in. All right, y'all. Stick around. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are back here on Inside Black and Go. We're going to break down the injury report and kind of go through what all of this means heading into a matchup with the Colts, um, a team that if you looked at this list, you would assume they were a lot healthier. But if you look at the actual status of the players, then you'll be able to see, okay, the Saints are in decent position. They just have a lot of names on the injury report. They're not necessarily guys who you're worried about them missing games, but it's a long list. Let's go through it. There was only two players who missed practice this week. I'm sorry, on Wednesday. And that is James Hurst with an ankle injury. I expect him to be out a good bit. They didn't put him on injured reserve, which means that they expect him to be back within four weeks. But it still doesn't sound like, it doesn't appear like something that you're going to be, you're going to be expecting him to be back this week, probably not next week. So I think you're going to continue to see Andres Pete at left tackle. Either way, he was a DNP at, Left, or he was a DNP on Wednesday with an ankle issue. The only other DNP was Alvin Kamara, who was dealing with an illness. And I would not be surprised to hear that there is some sort of bug going around the Saints locker room. Because when we talked to Derek Carr today, he was coughing up a storm. And, you know, it's probably just one of those things where it just runs through a locker room. So that's something to watch this week. If you see a couple guys miss days of practice with an, in, with an illness, then that, that might be something you're looking at. Either way, let's continue. The next nine names were all limited participants. So you had tight end Jawan Johnson with a calf injury. Now, yes, it's not good that he was limited, but yes, it is a good thing that he is on this list at all as anything but a DMP because we have not seen him at a practice since ahead of week four when he injured his calf during warmups ahead of the game against the Bucks. So Dennis Allen this week said that he was optimistic that Jawan would be back out there. And so this is a good sign that that might be the case and you might finally get your seam splitting tight end back on the field because I think that that has been something that has been very limiting for this offense in the middle of the field. Now, weeks one through three, they didn't really use him. So it's tough to say, okay, this is a huge, huge thing that you're getting him back based on what we have seen already this season. But I do think as you've watched how the Saints have used Taysom Hill over the last few weeks, he's setting new record highs and catches basically every week. I think that's just a sign that this team is trying to incorporate the tight end more. And if you replace Taysom Hill with Juwan Johnson in that role, I think you get a lot more dynamic. Foster Morrow probably isn't on the field even trying to catch that pass late in the game against the Jags if Juwan Johnson is healthy. So it is definitely an upgrade, and hopefully he can get back out there because <clears throat> there's a reason this team really likes him. There's a reason this team signed him to an extension and brought him back. And so, hey, let's, let's hope for the best there. A couple other guys returned to practice. JT Gray has been dealing with a hamstring injury. He has not been out there since week five against the Patriots. So that would be good to get him back, especially on special teams. You know, they got beat on a fake punt last week. And you can say, hey, maybe if JT was there, he would have played it better. And maybe that isn't successful. Either way, he's been an absence that I think is undervalued in terms of what he actually does provide. The other guy, Landon Young, hip injury. He's been out as well. And that's been limiting in the sense that when you're without both of your starting tackles and your backup right tackle, that's a problem. So having him back is helpful. 
Ryan Ramchek back to practice in a limited capacity. That doesn't technically mean he has cleared the concussion protocol, but it is the first step in clearing the concussion protocol is getting back on a limited capacity. So that's a good sign for him as well. I think there's a chance you get him back this week, and that would likely mean your starting tackles are Andres Pete and Ryan Ramchek. But it's also good to know that if you need him, and I imagine you will elevate him either way, Cam Irving can step in at right tackle and play well, which I think he did to a pretty good extent in week seven. So, you know, I think from a from the perspective of the, the offensive tackle seemed like the biggest issue that you had over the first few weeks of the season. I think you have found some stability there and you can move forward. The other guys, so the, other, the one guy that is not worth really talking about, tight end Jimmy Graham, he's limited with rest. What is he resting from? I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Demario Davis was limited with his knee injury, and that is an advancement from last week. He missed all three days of practice last week. If you believe Demario, doctors told him that he had a 0% chance of playing in that game, but he did anyway. He was wearing a knee brace. He was limited. He came off the field on a few key plays, Pete Werner was the guy with the green dot on his helmet, so he was communicating. So it wasn't DeMario who was making all the calls, even though he played the mic and, and Pete played the will. He basically served the same role that he that he would have regardless, but he was the communicator. So it's good to know that he can do that. And DeMario is going to be one to watch because while e- even if he is able to play, you do have to wonder if with a knee injury that he is fighting through, is he able to do the things you need DeMario Davis to do. And last week, it sure seemed like there was just a lack of speed on the defense. And he, I don't think he was able to get to the plays that he needed to get to the entire game, particularly to the edges of the field. And so I think that that's something to monitor. Is he your best option? Obviously you love DeMario Davis. You love what he brings to the table, but how limited is he with that knee injury? Because if your answer is too much, so, then it might be a situation where even if he's willing to play through it and be a warrior, which we know he is, are you better off with, say, Jalen Smith being called up and playing? He was up there last week, spent the entire game on the on the bike, staying warm, staying ready, but he never got in the game. And to me, and I've said this, Jalen Smith has been DeMario Davis insurance since day one. You brought him in for that exact purpose. If you feel like De- DeMario just needs a week to heal, then do that. It's, it's not benefiting anyone to have him out there at a level that is not helping your defense succeed. So let's keep that in mind. It's something to watch. I don't expect DeMario to miss a game. He's never missed a game due to injury in his career. But again, just keep an eye on it. Safety Tyron Matthew was also limited with a foot injury. Played through it last week. That's another one that I think you have guys who are playing hurt. And especially against a team like the Jags with so much speed, I think that really worked against you in that Thursday night football matchup on defense. Hopefully these guys can, you know, with 10 days in between games can get right and and it won't affect them as much as it probably did in that game. But it's something to keep in mind. Safety Marcus May, he's actually dealing with a hamstring injury. Now they sent out two injury reports. He was initially listed as a shoulder. They corrected it to the hamstring. I grabbed the wrong one. That's my bad. The one that is up there on the screen. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Either way, he was limited. The other guy who was limited, quarterback Taysom Hill with a chest injury. He worked out with the quarterbacks at practice on Wednesday. He's wearing a red non-contact jersey. And so, you know, that's really just keeping him out of potential contact. I don't know how significant that injury is, but if Juwan Johnson is back, it could mean a more limited role for Taysom 
in the game plan in terms of fewer hits being taken. And maybe you see more reps of him at quarterback. Maybe he throws a few passes. You know, I don't know if it's going to affect your game plan, but it's something to monitor. The last injury on the Saints side is Kendra Miller running back with a shoulder issue. Now, Dennis Allen told us earlier in the week that he was limited in that game because he tweaked his shoulder in warmups. Now, I don't know what's going on in warmups where guys keep getting hurt, but either way, it does look like he is at least able to practice fully. So I don't think it's going to keep him out. And hopefully he's able to have a bigger role in that game plan. I think Jamal Williams is going to take a lot of his snaps anyway. But Kanye Miller was only on the field for three snaps in that game. I think you'd probably like to get him closer to 10 to 15. Right? Jamal Williams was also on a pitch count. And that's why you suck. Alvin get such a big workload. I think you're probably going to... I think... Jamal's probably going to end up seeing the same amount of carries and you're going to filter some of those carries over to Kendra on the Alvin side where you don't necessarily need to overload him the way you did last week. Now on the Colts side of things, there's only five names listed, but all five missed practice. So that's obviously a more significant thing than the Saints players who are a majority limited. So you have cornerback Juju Brents. He's dealing with a quad injury. Tight end Kylan Granson dealing with a concussion. Defensive tackle Eric Johnson the second dealing with an ankle injury. Running back Zach Moss with an elbow slash heel injury. He and Jonathan Taylor form a pretty impressive duo in that backfield. So that'll be something to watch because if they're limited to just Jonathan Taylor, that'll help the Saints game plan against that defense. Either way, the Colts are going to try to run the ball and they're very good at it. So that's going to be the Saints, something the Saints have to find a way to manage. And then finally, offensive tackle Braden Smith with a hip slash wrist injury. So those are going to be five names to watch on the Colts side because typically what you're looking at with injury reports is if you are a DMP on Wednesday, then you are assuming it's not for rest, then you are kind of on alert to potentially miss the game. If you're limited in I'd say probably 90% of the time you'll end up going, assuming you don't have a setback. If you end up on the injury report late in the week, you will, in a lot of instances, not end up going. So it's possible that more names get added here, but we're going to keep going. This is Inside Black and Gold. We're going to go to the final segment. It's going to be a mailbag. So if you have not gotten your questions or comments into the feed, please do that. It's going to be a little bit of an extended break. And I'm going to go through and star as many comments as possible. Again, I'm Jeff Nowak. I'm your host coming at you solo today. We went through the Chris Olave latest in terms of the arrest, in terms of what he's looking at at practice. Went through the injury report. Final segment is going to be a mailbag. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, please do that. Appreciate everyone who listens. Leave a rating. Leave a review. We will be right back. Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Nowak. I'm coming at you solo again. So the first one I want to get to, so Highway Rolling with AD says, this is just a question. Is it possible that he, Chris Olave, wasn't paying attention to the speed limit sign? I don't know about Kenner, but I have seen towns, the town speed limit drops, 20 mile an hour in speed traps. No, that's that's not that's not what was happening here. Joe Yenny, I'm pretty sure, is pretty consistently 35, and it's a residential area. It's not like it was 60 and then dropped you know, it's like, I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but there's no roads that are not highways in Kenner that are, you know, over 45. So, I mean, he was, he was cooking 
And, you know, these guys drive really fancy cars, right? Like they go, you know, my car, if, to get it up to 70, I'd have to work real hard. I, I'd have to be trying to go 70. Um, you know, I drive a little Chevy Spark. But, you know, I, you're talking about a supercharged Dodge Charger, right? You're, this car goes 70 without even thinking about it. So I think you're just you're talking about guys who drive real fancy cars and they go fast and that's just what they do. And, you know, obviously he's got to be smarter than that. But it wasn't a situation where the cops were out to get him because he was going 10 miles over the speed limit and and it dropped. This was, you know, you, you got to be better than that. Anyway, that's that's uh, thanks for the question, but that's not definitely not what happened. All right, let's go to one more. 992 RAS says one of the worst offenses going against one of the worst defenses should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I you know, we feel like we say this every week. The Saints offense should be able to put up points against the Colts. But the Colts are also probably going to put up points. The Colts are the only team in the NFL who have more than 20 points in each of their first seven games. It's pretty wild when you think about it, considering they have a rookie quarterback in the last two games, you've been looking at Gardner Minshew starting at quarterback. Now, Gardner's always gonna been, always been a guy who's willing to air it out. But yeah, so the Saints should be able to put up points, and the Colts probably will put up points on the Saints. So, you know, this is not a game where you want to be behind two, three scores, right? You can't, you've got to keep pace, I think, against this Colts team because they're going to run the ball and they're going to control time of possession, or at least you'd imagine they would. Now, they have been very susceptible to big plays. And that's why you are one of the, you're the only team in the NFL to have 20 plus points in every game and you're three and four, right? If the saints had scored over 20 points in every game, they would have a much better record than they do. So you're going to, you're going to go, you're going to go with that. But no, I agree. This, this is a game that should in theory be high scoring. Um, but you know, one, one thing I wanted to ask Derek Carr about, and, and the question you have as a saints fan or as an analyst is, how much of the issue so far this season has been Derek Carr? Like how much of it has been a quarterback underperforming more so than quarterback whose offense has let him down. And so what we heard from the saints this week is you get that extra few days, you're able to do some more self scouting. You're able to kind of look at your own shit, (laughs) right? You're able to look in the mirror a little bit more this week than you would be in most weeks. So I asked Derek Carr today kind of about his own self-evaluation and this is what he said. Obviously, the long week, a few extra days for self-scouting, kind of self-evaluation. You know, how would you kind of evaluate your performance through seven weeks? Are you at the level you think you need to be at going forward? I mean, we're always trying to improve. Like, I'm never going to – oh, we're doing good. Like, as soon as you're like, oh, we're good, like, that's when crap gets really bad, you know. And so uh, the understanding and, you know, getting to things and doing things, I feel very comfortable. I feel very confident. Um you know, but there's things I can do better, but there's things that we all could do better, you know, and that's that's football. And whether I've had a Pro Bowl year or not a Pro Bowl year, there's that's always been a constant theme that I've learned in football is, man, it's there's always this constant process that you're always trying to be perfect, knowing you'll never get there. And so uh, I feel confident where I'm at. You know, I feel confident when I can go out there and win a football game and all those things. And I. I I know what I'm doing, you know, um, and our guys know what they're doing. We just got to put it all together. So not a huge fan of that answer, mostly because it wasn't really an answer. You know, I, I, I'd like to think that over the last 10 days or so, Derek has had a chance to kind of evaluate 
how he's been running the offense and not just looking back and saying, we've all made mistakes, uh, you know, because I don't think that he has played up to the caliber that he needs to for this team to be successful. And I, and I think if he's being honest with himself, he, he, he would say that too. Now he says he knows what he's doing. And I'd like to think that a 10 year veteran does know what they're doing. But again, you look at a lot of the breakdowns of, of his play. And yeah, I didn't play quarterback in the NFL. I'm not a quarterback, right? I don't, I don't know who's coming or going, but, there are a lot of very intelligent, very quarterback savvy people, former NFL quarterbacks, right, who are breaking down these games and pointing to very, very basic things that are not being done. And so, you know, I, I, I hope, I hope for the Saints, the sake of the Saints offense, that it is the conversation is not everyone's messing up. And so we all need to be better. It needs to start with the quarterback. And so I, I talked about in the last segment, I do think that. And again, he's good at talking to the media. He's good at making everything sound rosy in those situations. But I'm hopeful that in in what's happening behind closed doors is is a little better than that. We have a point from uh, 992 RAS here. It says, Jeff, everyone was using your Camara question about the offense. I'm not I'm not sure what that what that means. I think you might be talking about like, the tempo, the hurry up. And yeah, that's been a big conversation this week. I wanted to get more into that in the Friday episode because there has been a lot of talk about tempo this week and whether it's viable and how much you can use it and, and stuff like that. So uh, if that's what you're referring to, yeah, th- there has been a lot of talk about tempo and uh, I want to get into that more in, in our Friday episode, but let's, let's go back a little bit. We have Sandra St. Etienne. Uh, could the Saints possibly work out kickers, punters? That part of special teams really concerns me. I mean, they, they could theoretically, they could, I don't think they're going to, I don't think, you know, like, I think this team is confident in Blake Groupie. Now, he's hit a skid here, and it's, you know, the bed you made for yourself when you decided to keep a rookie kicker over an established veteran, right? Like, that was always a risk, and you're seeing what can happen when you bet on a rookie. He's going through rookie struggles, and, you know, I do I do think you have to appreciate the way he did bounce back in week eight, I'm sorry, in week seven compared to week six, right? He missed the kick early against the Texans, and then he missed another kick later in that game from 29 yards, something that should never happen. Absolutely never should that happen. Now, he missed the kick early, and again, it's another 50-yarder, right? Like In 2023, your expectations are that those kicks are almost automatic, but again, that's the cost of doing business when you settle for long kicks in the NFL. The percentage goes down, and unfortunately, he has not been money on those long kicks like he was in the preseason and early in the season. That said, he did he did lock in and make two kicks in that game. He he plunked an extra point off the uprights, but it went in. Uh, so you know, and I'd like to think that this is a this is a learning period. I don't think you're going to give up on him, and so I don't think the Saints are going to give up on him. Lou Headley is another question, and I don't really understand what they were thinking when they went to him over Blake Gillikin. I think they just didn't really care for Blake for whatever reason, and they wanted to move on because the talent was never in question with Blake. He was a little inconsistent last year, but it always felt weird to me that they went with Lou. He, his biggest issue is just distance on kicks, right? Like I do think that there is something to like in his style. You know, we can talk about the gross punt yardage, but the real question with him is net, right? Like he's not allowing returns. You have not seen a single kick returned from him. So that's why there's some value in the going in punts and he should be better that than he was in this last game. But yeah, it's it hasn't been good. That said, I don't think, you know, there's a reason punters, if there's a punter sitting out on the street, sitting on his couch right now, there's a reason. 
right? It's not like there's these high quality punters just hanging out. So I think that you're going to ride with it and hope that he can improve. Again, you're, you're talking about rookies, right? You don't expect a rookie to just come in and light the league on fire at any position, whether that's kicker, whether that's punter, whether that's center, whether that's wide receiver, you know, like that's just how it goes. And unfortunately, this is a year where the Saints decided we're going to go for it and it hasn't worked out. Um, but, you know, they're going to be allowed to struggle to some extent and, you know, you just hope that it doesn't cost the Saints games in that process. But no, I don't think they're going to work out kickers and punters unless things get real bad. Unless, you know, if Blake Groupie comes out this week and misses another two kicks, then yeah, I think you do start considering, okay, who's available? Do you bring back Brett Maher, right? Like, it's not like there's a ton of great options to go for. So uh, yeah, you just got to, you just got to hope that he gets better um, as, as he, as he accrues experience at the NFL level. Here's one, Michael Sumner. It's not really a question, Michael Sumner. Play calls ranked 32, offensive line ranked 27, penalties ranked 21, receivers ranked 21, QB ranked 18, kicker slash punter has short punts. Defense defense was great for three games and sucked for three games. I don't know if they sucked. You know, one of those games was a shutout. So I wouldn't say they they necessarily sucked. I, I guess you're you're if you're talking about independent of that, you're talking about the Bucks game, you're talking about the Texans game, you're talking about the Jaguars game in terms of the games the defense didn't really show up in. It's hard for me to say they sucked against the Bucks because I think they played pretty well independent of that touchdown at the end of the first half that, you know, like you can't really put that against them. And I don't think they played terribly. Now they weren't great. They didn't get off the field. They allowed some long drives. The, the issue for the Saints, the biggest issue for the Saints has been containing quarterbacks. You know, afford not allowing them to just extend plays or get downfield. Like I looked up the uh, like this game against the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence was just getting the ball out of his hand on the first read every play, every play, every play. Even his scrambles, he wasn't holding onto the ball and trying to make something happen and then running. He was going to his first read and then pulling it down and running. I think the longest drop back he had of the day was four point one seconds, and that was on the, the the double pass, the throwback pass, which. I mean, that's crazy fast it, for that type of play in general, right? Like he had only, I think, 25 of his 35 dropbacks were 2.5 seconds or less. So, you know, it's 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 tough to look at the defense and say, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, there's no pass rush because they don't have a chance to get a pass rush and they weren't able to tackle in space. But the Jags effectively had one big play on offense in the second half of that game. So I don't know. The penalties are another story. The Saints are, I want to say, I think they're tied for sixth in the NFL with total penalties, but they are first in yardage against. They are first by a wide margin in pass interference. They have 10 pass interference penalties called. The next closest team is six. They have seven defensive holding calls. So if you combine defensive holding and pass interference, that's 17. That is the first, they are first in the NFL in that by, I think, two over the Falcons. Who have, who have 15 total combined because they have a ton of defensive holding penalties. Saints are also first in the NFL in holding penalties, offensive holding penalties. And so you're just, you know, that kills your offense. That kills your defense. That kills everything, right? You get, you're on third down. You get off the field. Nope. Flag. You're, on, you're in the red zone. You have first and 10 at the 18. You get a holding penalty first and 20. You might as well just kick the field goal on first down because Saints aren't converting in the red zone on first and 20. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you got to be you got to be better in a lot of different ways. And so that is one thing where it's like when Derek Carr says, yeah, this we, we've everyone's been making mistakes. It's true. There have been a lot of mistakes. And that's what's been preventing you from winning. Now, I, I do think that things can get better. 
but you know, you're going to have to figure that out. Michael Sumner also says breeze couldn't win with this offensive line. And I'm going to disagree with you there because I think drew would be just fine with this offensive line. You know, <laughs> the offensive line hasn't really been a, a major issue the last three weeks. That's what's been frustrating about this saints offense is the offensive line has been figuring things out. You went in that game with two backup tackles and you got sacked once. I think you had three quarterback hurries, something like that. Like that wasn't the biggest problem. But I do think that Derek has been playing the last couple of weeks as if the offensive line is a sieve and he's not willing to hang in the pocket. And and that's what I need to see more is is not checking down immediately, is is going through your progressions and finding open receivers, getting the ball to Michael Thomas, getting the ball to Chris in space, getting the ball to Rashid in space. Um, and if you can do that, I think you will be better off. Don Tomasino says 29 and one do all the holding. And I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, Marshawn has been called for a couple pass interference penalties. He is not, I know he got called for one against Nico Collins. He got called for one against Mike Evans. I think there was one in the Packers game as well. So, I mean, Marshawn is not exempt from the penalties. Now, Paulson, I do think is an issue in terms of he gets beat and he panics and he grabs. And it happens too often. Alante has had a few himself, but I mean, you're, you're telling me that two thirds of your starting cornerbacks, so you're one of your outside corners and your starting nickel corner is doing all the holding. And sure. I mean, that's, that's when you're playing man, man coverage, that's where the penalties are going to come is from the cornerbacks. Uh, the safeties I think have been pretty good in that regard. You haven't seen a ton of penalties on Marcus May, Jordan Howard and Tyron Matthew, but you're not wrong. I mean, Paulson Debo again, it's a concern I had going into the season. It's still a concern. He gets beat. He gets handsy. And it happens at very, very difficult moments. And at a certain point, it's you got to just force them to beat you. Now, if, if you're like one of Marshawn's penalties, for example, Mike Evans won clean. You can say it was offensive pass interference to kind of push him to the ground. But the alternative was a lob to the end zone where it's a 10 out of 10 touchdown every time type play. And so you basically just reached out and grabbed his leg and pulled him to the ground. And so that's past interference, but it saves a touchdown. Now that's one thing I can get on board with that because even though you got beat, you at least made sure there wasn't a touchdown. So it's a smart play in too many of Paulson's he's in good position. It's a, it's going to be a difficult catch. Even if you, even if you got beat, they've got to execute and they've got to make a perfect throw and a, and a good catch. And you got to force them to do that. You can't bail them out and say, all right, give it to them where they are. Cause I mean, even if they make the catch, you make the tackle. It's not the end of the world. I would much rather even even an easy throw doesn't doesn't get completed ten out of ten times. So uh, that's what I would say to Paulson is just trust your technique. Don't grab, just play. Um, and so that's been frustrating. But but I agree with you. Reginald Walker says we're fully loaded at this at wide receiver this year, unlike the previous two. Yeah, and, and I think that's you know, when you went into the season and you looked at okay, if the Saints can get a healthy however many games out of Mike Thomas, right? If they can keep their playmakers on the field, and obviously Jawan Johnson has been out, that has been limiting, but not not to the, not in the way that that you have been limited in previous years, right? Two years ago, you were looking at an offense of Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith and whoever else, right? Now you have Chris Olave, Mike Thomas, Rashid Shahid, all active, all available each of the first seven games, and Alvin Kamara for the last four games. And you're still struggling this badly. And I think that's what, when you're a Saints fan and you look at it and you're like, how? That's why. Because in the, there's no there's no injury excuse this year. The offensive line has obviously struggled, but they've been getting better progressively. So why has the offense not looked better? Um, and so that's why when you look, it's like, okay, 
what's going on with Derek Carr? Why, how much of this is on him? I saw somebody say 75% earlier. I think that might be fair, right? Like obviously there's a, there's an element here to, to where Alvin needs to be better, right? I think he was rushing a little bit. Chris Olave has to be better. And like the, the routes haven't looked good. The play calling hasn't been perfect, but I mean, there's a common denominator here and, and uh, it's not, the playmakers not necessarily doing everything perfect every time. Charles Andrews, they had Saunders on the offensive on the hill on the offense the, on the hill touchdown run. His block opened the hole for him. That's what I remember. However, I'll need to go back and revisit that play. No, you're, you're correct. I think Colin Saunders uh, was was really good in that limited fullback role. They said they introduced they installed it in the game plan ahead of week six, but they never got in a goal to go situation, so they didn't use it. But yeah, the Colin Saunders says the fullback. You know, he's a very athletic guy. He'll, he'll tell you that every day if you want him to. You know, he'll show you his high school running back highlights and he can move around. He can do backhand springs. He, it was a big thing when he got drafted. Like he's this incredibly athletic defensive lineman, defensive tackle. And so, yeah, I expect you'll see more of that in those situations. And on, on Taysom Mills' touchdown, you are correct. He came down, kicked out the left end, and Taysom walked in untouched. And so, yeah, if you go back a couple plays now, I think he was in for two other snaps on that goal line uh series they didn't necessarily go the saints way you know alvin got stopped on one i can't recall i think he might have got stopped on another one and colin was in as the lead blocker on that play as well um it wasn't his fault that the play didn't work but uh if you go back to the third down or fourth down i can't recall third down or fourth down before that when Taysom converted around the edge again that was colin saunders leading the way and clearing out the edge so he was able to get there so yeah i mean i don't expect colin to change positions or anything but that is good to know the saints released jp holtz this week so they don't have a fullback h-back whatever you want to call it on the roster so it sounds like that's going to be kind of his job to some extent at least you know as much as it can be he is a full-time defensive tackle so you can't ask him to play 20 snaps on offense but maybe you can get eight to ten out of them based on how you're using it all right let's do uh, one or two more and then we will get the heck out of here jerry g this is pretty simple will the saints avoid a three-game losing streak on sunday at the colts the short answer is they'd better they kind of have to you're not going to get a better opportunity than going up against a backup quarterback right? This is a good Colts team. It's not a great Colts team. This is a good Saints defense. This is a good Saints offense, or at least it should be. And if you cannot go and win this game against a quarterback that traditionally you have shut down, it's going to get ugly. Because you're talking three and five. You got two more games before the bye. You're going up against the, you know, that Vikings team that you're going up to face. They'll beat the 49ers this week. They look a lot more stout than maybe a couple couple weeks ago. So, I mean, there are no easy wins in the NFL. There are only the games that you should win, and the games that you have to win. And right now, I think this is this 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 falls right in the middle of that Venn diagram. Uh, and so, I I don't know. I think they will. I think this is the week that you maybe get on track a little bit. Um, the defense maybe does a bit more. Uh, yeah, I think the energy on the defensive side of the ball has to be better. You can't come out and allow 17 points. You can't allow two long touchdown drives to open a game when this is a defense that's supposed to be better than that. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to say yes, but at the same time, uh, there's just so little that's been inspiring about this offense other than maybe putting up yards in between the 20s. 
Okay, one more. Michael Ratcliffe, I lied. Peter's been calling good games. Last week showed how bad DC4 is playing. Can't make the throws. Got to be able to run the ball effectively to get play action and motion to be effective. See, I I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say Pete has been a, has been calling good games only. Like, if you look at when the Saints were successful in that game, it wasn't Pete. It was Derek going up the line and, and running the offense that way. And, and I, I don't want to get too much into the hurry up because we're going to talk about the hurry up in the next episode. And there's a lot that I want to kind of dive into. But I do think that you have to find a way to replicate the things you were doing in the hurry up and not necessarily the tempo completely because that is unrealistic to think you can go full you can go um you know two minute offense the entire game and and be alive in the fourth quarter especially for the big guys in the on the line but in terms of getting the calls in quickly and allowing Derek to make decisions at the line that's the way this offense needs to operate a lot more than it has in the first four weeks and and Pete to his credit, I don't think that I think he's gotten more criticism than is reasonable for what he's been doing. But at the same time, you got to find a way to 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 adjust and to do the things that have worked and eliminate the things that clearly have not worked. And that's where I think you've seen this Saints offense really not get the job done is adjusting in game and and kind of working that around and, and finding that that tempo and that rhythm. Because and and Mike uh, Mark Slayer had said this, and I and I agree completely. He called the Texans game the Saints Texans game, and it just it feels too often like the Saints are just going one play at a time, and they're just saying, "Okay, that there's that play. What are we going to call next?" It's not a plan. It's not it's not punch counter punch. It's okay. What type of punch now? Okay, what type of punch now? Okay, what type of punch now? And that's not how good offense operates. And I don't think that's what happened in weeks one and two. When you go back and look, it just seemed like the Saints had a plan and and then defense kind of looked at it and countered it and they never they 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 didn't have another plan for it. And that's where I'd like to see them do better. And kind of going off the rails here, I've been kind of rambling, but that's what these podcasts are for, right? Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Thanks everyone who chimed in. Thanks everyone who watched all the way to the end. I think the internet has has caught up for some reason. It, it took that long to do so, but I appreciate everyone for listening. Everyone who dropped in a comment. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. You can check out, well, if you're watching on YouTube, you already know that, but you can check us out on YouTube at WWL Sports and you can check out the latest news notes and analysis on WWL.com. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back with another episode on Friday, breaking down the Colts Saints matchup. We'll have someone from Colts land. I don't know if we finalized that yet, but that's Steve's job. So Steve's going to have someone for us from Colts land to break down what the Saints should expect. Again, we're going to dive into more of the tempo conversation and whatever else crops up between now and then. Thanks, everyone. As always, who that? Go Saints. Be easy, y'all. Peace.